Hallelujah. In your name, amen. Amen. Glory to God. I said glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Can we lift our hands and give him praise? Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Praise the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Amen. God is good and greatly to be praised. Amen. Do you believe that? Hallelujah. Praise God. So we're getting our perspective for 2023. We're getting our vision. We're getting our focus on the right things. And one of the things that we have been sharing with you, both on Sundays and Wednesday nights, and majority of all of the uh, messages that we have had going on, deal with the fact that our perspective, our lens in life should be the cross. And that you don't see life as it truly is unless you're cross-eyed. And so we've got to see our lives through the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? And, uh, you know, you talk with people and, and they're more interested in, you know, people that have seen Jesus physically. And they'll say, well, how tall was he? What was the color of his hair? What were the color of his eyes? And people are really more interested in what he looks like physically. But the Bible in the New Testament does not want you to be able to draw a composite of his physical features the New Testament wants you to draw a composite of what he did on the cross. See, he's defined by his works. His character is revealed in his works. And so anytime that we see the phrase in Christ or we see seeing Christ or we see, uh, uh, you know, the life I live in Christ... Basically, what they're pointing to is the cross. They're pointing to the work of the cross. And so we have to understand that it isn't just the cross, the crucifixion itself that we're talking about when we're talking about this wonderful, beautiful transaction that's happened. We're going from the whipping post to the seating at the right hand of God the Father. That is the work of Christ. He has reconciled us. To God through his death, his burial, and his resurrection. And now he has imparted unto us, those that have believed and embraced the report, have imparted unto us his life, the fullness of him. Amen? But where we have trouble is, is we don't see our identification in the cross. We try to see our identification in who we are and what we do and what we have in this world. And we've got two things over here. We've got the cross and we've got the sin ball. How many remember the sin ball? I brought him out and boy, he was smelly when they, when, when they brought him out, it was smelly. They had to do some Febreze to get that. But see, the problem is, is that when I focus on myself, this is what I see. Because no matter how good I look in that mirror, I know my past I know my attitudes, and I know what I'm thinking about certain things, and it ain't always godly. So if I continue to find my identity in this, then I'm going to have the cross obscured from my view. Because we have to understand that God works through grace. Amen. Grace. 
Good news is that God has graciously given his life, praise God, to us so that we can live. So we've got to make a decision. Am I going to focus on this, this physical mirror? Because when I focus on the physical mirror, I'm never going to be satisfied. Never. I'm never going to feel good about myself. I'm never going to, you know, have breakthrough in my life because this is always going to weigh me down. My addictions, my weaknesses, my past, my stinky attitude that I have right now. Hello. But if I will allow myself to look at the perfect law of liberty, the mirror of the cross, when I see in the mirror of the cross Praise the Lord, I am able to access a way of life that was not presently available by my focus on my weaknesses. Amen? So the more I focus on this, the more I begin to focus on my tent. See, this is called a tent. This flesh here, pinch yourself. That's a tent right there. That's a tent. The Bible calls that a tent. But... By virtue of the new birth and virtue of Jesus living on the inside of us, we have become a temple. Amen? So if I continue to focus on this, I'm just looking at the old tent. You know, some of you are going to break out your tents around March, late March and February, and you know they're going to have old uh, spider webs in them and stuff like that, and they're not very attractive. They're going to have to be cleaned off and dusted off. Because the tent is corruptible, but the temple is not. So when I focus on the cross, I access the temple. And I overcome the tent. You're not getting this. I don't think you're getting it. I overcome the tent by accessing the temple. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. I'm going to give you a little secret. How many people are born again in here? Better raise your hand or I'll call you out. I'll drag you up here to the altar. (laughs) Amen. All right. Okay. Guess what? God lives on the inside of you. Oh, I don't think you believe that. I think you'll say it here, but when you get outside, God lives dwells on the inside of you. John the 14th chapter said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments and my father himself will love you and we will come, my father and I will come and make our special dwelling place in you. God dwells in you. What is the focus of the cross? The cross was is that the fullness of God was crucified on a tree his body broken, the fullness of God personified, the sum total of God, the substance of God, the full supply of God was nailed on a cross, broken. He was pierced five times, five times, pierced in his brow, pierced in his hands, pierced in his feet, pierced in his side. His body His life flowed out of him. The fullness of God, the seed that died in the soil of sin and caused regeneration. 
I don't think you're getting a hold of this, but you will after we're over. Amen? The fullness of God. It was pleasing to the Lord to put the fullness of the Godhead in him bodily. He walked around as a God-man. We're men and women with God in us. We're not God-men and women. He was the only God-man. But praise God. We believe on him. We've been given the right and the access to become the sons of God. The authority to become the sons of God. Why? Because the kernel went into the ground. The seed with the fullness of God went into the ground. And he was raised from the dead to newness of life. And he is the firstborn among many. Oh, come on now. He's the firstborn. You are more than you can see in that mirror. You are more than this. And it's only by seeing the cross that we can begin to see these things. I'm telling you, the whole Bible is about the cross. The whole Bible from Genesis to Maps is about the cross. The Old Testament saint looked forward to it. The New Testament saint looks back to it. But it is the defining moment and it is the true north of every believer. And if you need rectification in your life, if you need an alteration in your life, you need only to find yourself re, re, uh, reacquainting yourself with the work of the cross. When you reacquaint yourself with the work of the cross, you align yourself with the divine life that has been imparted to you. Amen. Glory to God. And I've got a lot of things on the fullness of God that I'm, I'm, I'm just meditating on, and it is just, it's just explosive. But when you realize that divine life lives in you, when you realize that you're generated and your life is generated not by your physical blood pump, not by anything in this world, not the food that you eat and the exercise you do, but when you realize that the source of your life is the very life and person. I'll tell you what, I'm going to have to shock the seats here. Very life and person of God Almighty. See, we don't worship concepts. We worship a person. Jesus is personally in you. Say that. Jesus, Jesus is personally, personally in, me. in me. That's the truth. Jesus is personally in me. So what we're going to talk about today is the five things. I don't know that I'll get through the five things, but we're going to try get through one of them. But uh, five things that Jesus redeemed you from with the cross because it's important. Remember, he was pierced in his brow, he was pierced in his hands, he was pierced in his feet, he was pierced in his side. And that released that blood that cleansed and washed us from all sin. Jesus did not atone for our sins. Did you know that? Atonement means to cover. He didn't cover our sin. He dissolved it. It's gone. And never to be remembered again. Amen? Amen. 
And so we've got to get a hold of this stuff. Amen. So let's look at 1 Corinthians. I believe we have the scripture, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 2, uh, chapter 2, verse 2. It says, For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And that's good advice. That's exceptional advice when you're facing this life. If you want to be an overcomer in this life, this is something that needs to be at top priority, that the cross of Christ needs to be at the absolute apex of your thought life, of your business life, of your personal life, of every aspect of your life. It is the only lens by which you're going to be able to see truly what life is all about. It's the only way. Amen? Let's go to the next verse that I've got here. Philippians 2.8. Now notice this. And being found in human form, speaking of Jesus, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death. Now he could have put the period right there. He could have put the period right there. But the apostle Paul wants us to understand that it's not just any type of death. Because the type of death is as important as the death itself. Are you getting a hold of me? The type of death is more important, is is as important as the death itself. Because he could have died in a war. He could have died battling. He could have died. No, it says even death on a cross. Which was the most deplorable death that there is. It would be akin today to the electric chair or to whatever we use, you know, in these days. They kind of don't do much of that stuff anymore. But back, back in the day, the electric chair or, you know, putting poison in your body or whatever, or being executed publicly was absolutely horrible. And this was the most humiliating, degrading punishment that could ever be given anybody. It was meant to not just, you know, uh, pay for the price of their, you know, lawlessness, but it was to show other people the fact that you don't mess with the Roman empire. And it was absolutely humiliating to be stripped naked, to be pierced to a pole and to stand there and people look at you as you gasp for breath because crucifixion was about breathing. It wasn't about the effects of the nails, although that was torturous and, and hurt, and, but it's the fact that they could not draw breath and they would suffocate on that cross. And some of them would be up there six, eight hours a day, you know, before they would finally expire because they could not breathe. So it's absolutely humiliating. So it shows us the great depths. It gives us information that you and I need. And that first information is that sin is horrible, terrible, and should never be messed with. Because the symbol, the symbol of Jesus on the cross is the effect of sin. It's the effect of sin in our life. Amen? Amen. It also tells us something, the depths of God's love to come and retrieve us from that sin. That God, he could have snapped his fingers and changed everything. But he chose to work within a system that he established. 
so that he would be just and the justifier of those that call upon Jesus. And so he can never, ever be uh, accused of being unfair or unjust or unrighteous because he showed the extent of his love to us by displaying his son upon the cross and taking your place. See, we, we need to understand all of the manifestations of the cross and all of its various aspects. Because if we just look at it at the surface and the enemy has done us a disservice by making the cross a religious artifact, a religious icon, because we lose the effect of the cross when we just simply look at it at face value. We've got to understand that it isn't just what Jesus did for us. It's what Jesus is doing in us and what Jesus is doing through us in the cross. Amen. And I've got some good news. I've got some too good to be true news for you today. Because once you realize what you've truly been redeemed of, I tell you what, there ain't enough room. You're going to be running around this place. Just the first one that we're just about to go through will just knock your socks off if you have ears to hear. I said, if you have ears to hear, if you're sitting there just like a lump on a pickle, I ain't going to bother you. I ain't going to be bothered by that. You ain't going to get nothing. But I'm here to tell you, you need to perk your ears up today. Hello. Some of you have been born again. The prison door's been opened, but you ain't walked through it. First off, because you don't even know that you've been redeemed from this. You, you can't walk in what you don't know. Amen. All right. So let's go to Galatians. Hallelujah. God is good. Galatians chapter 1. And you know, Galatians has kind of been the book that we have been using during this time. Because the book of Galatians talks about one of the serious bondages that come into a believer's life. And that is the bondage of legalism. It's one of the great bondages that hold people back. Keep them from experiencing. It's a counterfeit. It's a counterfeit. It makes me believe that I have something with God that is based upon my works. And that is never the case. Never, ever the case. And in fact, when you get into this works-based mindset, you actually fall from grace. Did you know that? You actually fall from grace. You're not in grace anymore. Amen? Hallelujah. And uh, so we've got to resist that. We've got to come against that. We've got to fight every mindset that would keep us in that because it will get us focusing on our sin ball. That's what the enemy wants us to do. Focus on your sin ball. See, you get your sin ball. See, this is what the devil tells you. If you get your sin ball down to just where you can put it in your pocket, God will be happy with you. You know, 
Or I can carry around my sin ball and I look at Jesse's sin ball and say, well, mine's smaller than his. Hello, mine's smaller than his. So there, you know, therefore, you know, I'm okay. No, you're not okay. You see, we're not, ba- we're not trying to make this smaller. That's, that's not the focus. Now, praise God. When Jesus comes into your life, this, this gets eradicated. Okay. That's what Jesus wants. He wants eradication. He doesn't want just to, you know, get it down to where you can piece it and hide it and do whatever you want to do. He wants you to, to totally obliterate this through the work of the cross. Amen. And so when I'm looking at that and I'm focusing on that, I believe I'm convinced that my works in trying to make this look prettier or make this smaller somehow gives me access to God in ways. And my prayer life is this. My prayer life is just like the Pharisee that came with the tax collector. Remember Jesus talked about that? He says, Father, I thank you. I'm not like other men. I'm not like this honorary tax collector. He says, you know, my, you know, I realize I got one of these, but it's not like his. And there are people that will come to God and say, God, you need to do this for me because I did this and I've done that. And I've been this way and you know, I did that. And that is never the basis. That's never the basis for anything that you get from God. Hello, you are not in the position to bargain. How many have ever bargained with God? Everybody's bargained with God. God, if you get me out of this. Hello, we're in no position to bargain with God. The only thing that matters. And the only thing we can hold on to. Is the cross. That's the only thing because that's the basis by which everything blooms is through the death of Jesus on the cross. Jesus was never more victorious than when he, he was dying on the cross because he was dying as you. He was dying for you. He was taking your curse, your shame, your guilt, your sin. He became it. He didn't just tag it on him. He became it so that you could be free. And his body was broken so that we can eat of his flesh and drink of his blood and partake of his life. Amen? Are you awake out there? All right. So let's look at um, Galatians chapter 1. It says, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Go back to that next verse. (coughs) Who gave himself, talking about the cross, for our sins. Now that, if we stop right there, that'd be fine. Put the period there. That would have been great just to be delivered from your sin, just to be, you know, Dying for your sins. A majority of the Christian life, that's what they teach. He just died for your sins. Well, what does that mean? 
What does that mean? <coughs> we live in a culture today that doesn't even believe in sin. Doesn't even believe that even need help. What would I need help for? I don't do nothing wrong. Hello. But notice it says, who gave himself for our sins to deliver. And I love that word deliver in the Greek. It means a full and complete rescue. A full removal. A full and complete rescue. A full removal. Amen? It's just like Jesse's stuck here. And what happened is, is Jesus came here, grabbed him up, and removed him. Removed him from that. Let's do that again. I don't think they got that. That was pretty fun. Jesse's in his trespasses and sins. He's in bondage. He's in the curse of the law. He's in this present evil age. And Jesus, not by an act of Jesse, Jesus reaches his hand out, yanks him, and pulls him out. Amen. It is a total... An absolute removal. Well, I'm still in that same house I'm in. I'm still in that same job I'm in. I'm still in that same marriage I'm in. I still have the same kids I've always had. I've always, nothing's really changed. He's not talking about your physical. He's talking about a spiritual condition that is the root of your physical existence. See, you're spiritual. Where you're at spiritually is the root of where you're at physically. And you've got to get a hold of the fact that he has translated you out of the domain of darkness. And has put you in a new kingdom. The kingdom of the son of his love. See, you've got to acclimate yourself to that and and get, you know, uh, orientated to understanding that you operate in an unseen realm. Because if you look at your bank account, it may not be kingdom finances that is going on right now. You might feel your body and not feel the effects of the kingdom on the inside of you. Your relationships may be totally screwed up. But the fact of the matter is, is that the source of the curse has been lifted off of your life. But the enemy doesn't want you to know that. The enemy wants you to not believe you've been lifted up. Not believe that you've been taken out. Not believe that you have been rescued and fully removed from that situation. He wants to keep you bombarding you with lies and deception to tell you that you just need to deal with this. God doesn't love you until that's taken care of. You see that corner over there? If you don't take care of that, God's not going to bless you. And I'm telling you, my friends... There are people in this building that worked on their sin ball this morning. But I don't want to be here, but I am. 
That's working on your sin ball. You're trying to use that to barter with God. God, if I go to church, I'll have a good week. Oh, come on now. Hello, I'm stirring up your Kool-Aid. I'm getting in there. Come on now. I'm, I'm serving in the nursery, but I don't like it. I don't like it. I hate it. I hate them kids. But God... I'm doing something. So that means you got to do something for me. Hello? Oh, come on now. All right. Are you ready for some good news? I love this phrase, the present evil age, because this is the first thing that the book of Galatians tells us that Jesus has delivered us from, is the present evil age. Now, how many realize that the Word of God is written in Greek, the New Testament, and Hebrew and Aramaic? So that's the original language that it was written in. So therefore, it is the only language that is inspired. See, the book that you hold in is a translation. Okay? So it, it would behoove you to learn some tools and get some tools, and there's absolutely no excuse to be able to get in and to dig in further. And How many appreciated Rick Renner digging in further? Well, see, you, that's the way we should study the Word of God. Yeah. It's by taking each word. You know, um, John G. Lake said that the Word of God needs to be perused and investigated like a lawyer investigates a legal document. And it's very important that we look at it and realize that words are there for a specific reason. Tenses are important. Everything and, and the aspects is important to understanding what the Word of God is saying. And this word, present evil age, is very, very interesting. So the present evil age, the word age comes out. And it is not the word cosmos. <coughs> it is the word aeon. Okay, aeon. Uh, aeonus is what it is in this particular phrase. And it just means period of time. Okay? So he has delivered us. I don't think you're getting a hold of this. You will here in a minute. He has delivered us from this present evil age. He has delivered us from this present evil age. The word for present in the Greek means kind of gives the the picture of how many found a turtle when you were a kid. And you took it and where did you put it into? You put it into a box and you thought it was going to live its best life (laughs) because you were going to feed it and take care of it. That is not the proper place for the turtle. The word present is like being put into something. By virtue of Adam's disobedience, you have been put in a box when you should be functioning free. That's what that word present means. Evil, very different word. It just simply means this, and we always have this, you know, when we say the word evil, you know, and I used to listen to Black Sabbath and all them, they'd word word evil, and I'd get a chill around, you know. <laughs> what is this that stands before me? <laughs> I may remember that. Flashback. 
Satan laughing spreads his wings. Oh, Lord, yes. Come on. Some of you got that going on in your head right now. I apologize. But boy, you know, you get that shiver. You'd hear that church bell. Evil. But did you know that in the scripture, it has nothing to do with that? The word evil, if you want to get down to the, is you don't work the way you were created to work. In fact, there's a kind of a play on words. It's kind of silly, but you take evil and live. It's just backwards. And it's backwards living. It's living that's been contorted and twisted. The word wicked means to twist. It means, it, it, it means to contort. And that's what's happened. Sin has contorted the human race. Sin has caused us to be wicked. Sin has caused us to be evil in the sense that we don't live right. Now, you might think you have it all. You might think that you're all that plus a bag of chips. But the truth of the matter is no human being is truly human without Jesus. Let me say that again. No human being is truly human without Jesus. Jesus is the source. Now, because of man's fall, man has lived by different sources. He has sought to find source outside of himself. Instead of being connected to this only source that Jesus came to provide through the cross, which is the well that springs up into everlasting life. He says, you'll never, you'll never thirst again. Why? Because guess what? The world makes you thirsty. Hello. The world's like Lay's potatoes with no water. Lay's potato chips. How many have it? Out in the hot summertime, too. You're sitting there eating and that's salt. The, the world, you take it in, it tastes good, but then you're wanting more. You're wanting more. You're wanting more. You're, you don't have, you know, whether it's sex, whether it's money, whether it's power, whether it's influence, whatever it might be, you're always wanting more. And it's, you're never satisfied. But when Jesus comes in, the source, the fullness of God bodily broken for you to pour into you his fullness, you are connected to the source of life. And Jesus has come to deliver, permanently remove you, Jesse, from this present evil age. That means the box is no longer there. Unless you choose to stay in it. The backwards way of living that you've been living in. Now your previous moral nature has been changed. For if anyone be in Christ, they're a new creation. The old has passed away. What's he talking about? The old nose? No, he's talking about the old man on the inside of you. A new man has come forth. 
Old things have become, you know, new. Praise God. And all these things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through the Lord Jesus Christ, through the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. So when we get in the word age, it's very interesting. Because it talks about a period of time. We have not only been delivered from the box that the enemy has put us in that has fed us fake life. Because what do you do with a turtle? You give it grass and you try to make it think that this is its natural environment. Oh, come on now. This is its natural environment. And what happens through Adam's transgression, the, 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 the enemy created a matrix that convinces us that what we're in right now is true living. How many have ever said things like this? Oh, it'll never change. This is the way it's always been. I'll never get out of this. Well, you know, it's, it doesn't hurt to hope, but, you know, really, I'll never get out. I'll never make it. Hello? How many ever felt you, you're pushing forward in your life and all of a sudden you hit a wall? Yeah. How many have hit a wall? Yes. You hit a wall. You don't understand what it is. You've been roaming freely because you was in the middle of the box. Middle of the box, you thought, man, I got all these options. But then you begin to find out very clearly that there are boundaries to what the enemy will enable you to do. Hello. That's where the life of compromise begins to look into. It's because we want compromise rather than freedom. Jesus has come to deliver us from the present evil age. So notice it means time period. It means a span of time. It means a cycle of time. Guess what? This existence is not forever. What you're in will not last. Come on now. There's an end coming. I said there's an end coming and it's this present evil age but notice this the Greek says this characterized by a specific quality or type of life so what does that tell me that tells me I've not only been delivered from the matrix But I have been delivered from the quality or type of life that I presently was in. I don't know. Some of you need to get a hold of this. That means I've been delivered from the type of person I was. I am no longer fallen. I am no longer an alien to God, irreconcilable 
I am no longer forsaken. I have no long, I'm no longer been abandoned or been rejected. All of those adjectives that describe my life before Christ, the orphan heart, the feeling of never belonging, the feeling of never finding love, the feeling of never being able to feel secure in my life, fear, anxiety, Stress, hatred, envy. That's the qualities of the old man. The enemy has put us in a box. He has put us in the confines of a construct. We are fallen before Christ... Therefore, we just simply operate in that fallen nature. And we think that that's life. We think, man, I got to step on someone's back to get to where I want to get. I got to climb the corporate ladder. I've got to succeed at all costs. People will know that I'm successful because I have this and I do this and I've done that. And we live in that existence and we try to find our salvation in that. And we try to find our meaning. And we try to find our purpose by how many dollars we have in our bank account. By how much clothes that we have. By the house that we live in and the car that we drive. Or the various positions. And titles. And achievements that we've made. And we think something, you know, if I get these things covered then I'm going to be happy. But then we find out that that is not life (coughs) as we are to live it. That we have tried to find our source outside of ourselves and have not found it in our creator. The present evil age is an age in which Satan is the God of that age. In fact, let's look over at, um, I believe it's 2 Corinthians. Do we got it there? 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse number 3. It says, And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world. That is not cosmos. That is aeon, age. So in this period of time, we've got to come to a realization And I think many of us are coming to this reality is that when it comes to the world system and the way this world runs, this age, the fallen age is where the God of this world, Satan is blinding the minds of men and women. But guess what? It says age, not world because he's not God of the world. He's just God of this age because Um, Adam gave him the earth lease and the earth lease is only about 6,000 years, 6,000 years. So once that earth lease is over, Jesus is coming back and reclaiming the property. Amen. Amen. But Jesus has already begun his work by reclaiming you. Now he lives in habitations of flesh. We are 
We have treasure in earthen vessels. He saved us from the present evil age. That means that we have to resist the blindness of this age. And the only way I can resist the blindness of this age is by keeping my, my, my focus fixated on the cross. The devil does not want you to emphasize the cross. He does not want us preaching the cross. He wants you to, you know, us to preach about how you can have this and attain this and you can have this and you can be this without going to the bloody cross, without going to the one thing that brings reconciliation, that brings this deliverance. And there are churches today that are having church in the box. Because they have not been delivered. They have not been removed. They don't have that in their mind. See, you can be delivered spiritually out of something, but mentally you can still stay there. That's the reason why we have to have the process of sanctification, which is mind renewal in our lives. The only way I can really see life for what it is, is by looking into his word and finding out what happened on the cross. I got to become cross-eyed. Now, some of you have been reading your Bible and said, yeah, every time I read that Bible, I become cross-eyed and then I go to sleep. Well, no, keep on, keep on reading. This book has it all, friends. This is a living document. This is the only book that will read you. Amen? Are you with me? So we have to understand that that he uh, blinds, uh, blinds the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel. What's he talking about the gospel? The gospel is this. The gospel is the work of Jesus on the cross. It's the fact that he who knew no sin became sin so that we might be the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law. Being made a curse for us. The gospel is, is we didn't, we deserve death. But Jesus took our death for us. I tell you, this is good news. Some of you are sitting there saying, oh, this is simple. I've heard this before. No, you haven't. No, you haven't. You haven't heard it. Because if you heard it, you'd live in it. You'd walk in it. You got to keep on hearing. I said, you got to keep on hearing. Listen, it's not that this stuff is hard. There's nothing in this book that's hard. It's just opposed You can read any other book and there'll be no opposition whatsoever. There'll be no opposition to that. But the minute you crack open your Bible, you'll hear words coming at you that says, oh, that's not real. That's not true. Come on now. Oh, men did that. This is the work of man. You'll hear that stuff. Why? You don't get that feeling when you read Louis L'Amour. Because these words are opposed These words are opposed. Shakespeare is not opposed. This is opposed. 
Every time I read this and I find some good news, there's something speaking to me, telling me that's not for me. That should tell you the importance of this book. That should show you the fact that this is absolutely integral to your life. So, I mean, you need to be taking copious amounts of it. Whether you understand it or not, you've got the writer on the inside of you. If you'll just use your faith, praise God, he'll begin to illuminate things to you and show you things. Amen. So he's trying to veil the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Now notice that. We're changed by looking at an image. We're changed from glory to glory. What's that next verse? Do we have that next verse on there? <clears throat> okay, Matthew thirteen twenty-two. All right. Now we have to resist the influence of the age, but we also have to influence the tactics in this age. Because Jesus talking about the sower sowing the word in Matthew chapter 13 and verse number 22, it says, as for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of this, what's that next word? It's aeon. It's the same word. It's the same word. It's not the cares of this world. It's the cares of this age. The cares of this time period. Did you know that there are cares in this time period that will not be in the next time period? Glory to God. Oh, gosh. Isn't that exciting? There are cares in this time period that you will never have to care about again. You'll never have to be concerned about again. Why? Because it's limited to the age. It's limited to the age. The cares of this age, the deceitfulness of riches. It chokes the word and it proves uh, it unfruitful. Okay? So we've got to understand that even though we've been delivered from this present evil age, we are still subject by being in this age to deception and to the traps of the enemy that will keep us in the box. Let's go to the next verse. Romans 12, 2. Do not be conformed to this. It's the same word. Aeon. Don't be conformed to this age. Hello. Praise God. That means the set times, ideas, and philosophies of the culture that we live in right now. We're not to be conformed by them. When they start saying this is right and we know that it's wrong, we don't conform to it. We don't call evil good and good evil. We don't accept abominable practices because the world says it's okay. Hello. We are not conformed. Doesn't mean we don't love, doesn't mean we don't reach out, doesn't mean we don't have relationship. It just means we're not conformed to it. And no matter who says it, whether it's our own kids that try to tell us something contrary, I love you, I'm for you, I'll be there with you, but I'm not conforming. Yes. 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 
to these ideas. Amen? See, because, even though we've been delivered out of this present evil age, we still have to fight against the blindness that the enemy comes, the deception. We have to fight against his tactics by getting us to look, you see, of the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the lust of other things. That's his distraction. And then we also have to guard our mind and renew our mind so that we are not conformed or molded to this present world culture. It says, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Amen? Let's go to the next scripture we've got. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 1. It says, and you were dead in trespasses and sins. How many realize we were dead in our trespasses and sins? In which you once walked, following the course of this aeon. The course of this world. There's a course. There's a flow to this world that we have to resist. If we don't resist it, we'll find ourselves back in the box. We'll be eating on fabricated life. And feigned existence. Hello. Following the prince of the power of the air. The spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. Among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh. Carrying out the desires of the body and of the mind. This is the cage. Is this too rough for you? I'm telling you, he's delivered you from the present evil age. I'm showing you what he's delivered you from. He's delivered you from operating the passions of your flesh, carrying out the desires of your body and the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. He's delivered you from that. You're no longer that. I said, you're no longer that. You're no longer that. What's the next verse here? Hallelujah. I'm... Galatians 2.19. Okay. Now this is the... We've been delivered from the present evil age. Guess what? The second thing we've been delivered from through the cross is the law. Oh, come on now. You need to get more excited about it than that. Is the law. The law's only purpose is to identify and amplify sin. That's the only purpose for the law. Anybody that tries to live under the law is going to find themselves under a curse. Because for through the law, I died to the law. The law came to do one thing and one thing only. Kill you. Amen? And guess what? It's still actively doing that. The letter kills. But the spirit gives life. Now, you've got to make a decision. Am I going to continue to work on the sin ball and work in the law? And is it going to eventually I'm going to die? Or am I going to be a smart person? Hello. And take Jesus' death for my death. Because what killed Jesus once he became sin? The law did. Oh, yeah, I don't think you got a hold of that. I don't think you got a hold of that. 
Once Jesus became sin, what executed him? The law did. So when I identify with him, I died to the law. If the law killed Jesus, then the law killed me. Because he didn't have any sin. He had mine. He took my sin. So therefore, I died to the law. Oh, there's people don't like this. They don't like this. They don't like it. I can sense it. They, 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 I'm, I'm reading from the scripture. I said, I'm reading from the Bible. <clears throat> he says, for through the law, I died to the law so that I might live to God. The purpose of Jesus dying and basically he fulfilled the law. He fulfilled it in his earthly life. For 33 and a half years, he walked in the confines and construct of the law. He was without sin, without spot or blemish in any way. And when Pilate washed his hands and says, I find no fault in him, he was declaring from God's mouth that he was the acceptable sacrifice, the Lamb of God. That takes away the sin of the world. What executed him? The law did. Because once he became sin, God's wrath came on Jesus to pay the price for our sins. So his death is your death. I don't think you're getting this. I don't think you're getting this. That means there's nothing I can do to make God love me. There's nothing I can do to make me righteous. There's nothing I can do to make me better. There's nothing I can do to make me more appealing to God or more accepted to God. Or more. There's absolutely nothing. Why? Because the barrier has been destroyed. My goodness, I got some other scriptures here. I don't know that I've got. I don't know that I've got them on there, Kevin. But uh, let, let, let me look at this here. Let's go to Romans. Romans chapter six. Hallelujah! I tell you what, you know when when Pastor Kevin did the book of Romans, you need to go back and listen to those. And um, some of you need to get free. I just tell you, you just need to get free. Romans six fourteen. Notice this. I told you I had too good to be true news for you, but it is true. Amen. Okay. Notice this. For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under law, but under grace. If you really understood that, you wouldn't even be in your seat right now. Let me read it again. 
for sin will have no dominion. So if we can say that sin doesn't have dominion over it, then the effects of sin don't have dominion over us. Guilt, shame, condemnation, sickness, and disease, the curse. How does sin dominate? Sin dominates by what it does in your life. It dominates you. But it says you're not under it. Mm. I don't think you're getting, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. We'll try. First Corinthians chapter 15. I think I may have this one. Yeah. 1556. The sting of death is sin. This is the Bible. Is this the Bible? I'm not speaking from the Koran here. Am I? Is it? Is this a book of Mormon? No, this is the Bible. The B-I-B-L-E. Yes, that is the book for me. The sting of death is sin. That's the reason why the sting's been taken out for you and I. And the power of sin is the law. Oh, there's some people I know, they don't like that scripture. They think there's life in the law. I'm telling you, you need to get a free, you know, of your bondage. This is the word of God. It says, and the power of sin is the law. Hello? Hello? What did Jesus cross? What did one of the piercings, the piercings of his hands give to us? It gave us the ability to be delivered from the law. Are you with me? Can you take a few more scriptures? I don't want to twist your arm. Romans chapter 7. Romans chapter 7. Does that mean that we just cast off restraint, live any way we want to? You're missing the point. You're missing the whole point. The Christian life, or the Christ life, because the Christian life, there's a lot of hypocrisy in the Christian life, but the Christ life, the Christ life is not living for God. It's allowing God to live through us. There's a big difference. See, you work on that old sin ball all day long, all your life. You can work on it and go to hell. Because you haven't appropriated the cross in your life. Amen? Or you can work on your sin ball all your life, go to heaven and wonder, I missed out on a whole bunch. Because I was too busy trying to make myself perfect before God. When I could be just operating in his freedom right now. Come on now. Hello. There's people that are unsaved that are working on their sin ball. There's people that will split hell wide open that actually are morally better than some of you out there. But that's not the basis. The basis isn't whether or not you've got it together. 
Hello. Come on now. We, we got this Mr. Miyagi syndrome. Where we think if someone's just ultra disciplined and has it all together and never has any kind of, you know, visible flaws, that they must be right with God. Nothing could be further from the truth. Hello. We need to understand that God takes messes and makes them messages. And that God will move on the behalf of someone who is struggling and will resist one that continues to stand in their own way. Come on, we got to get, get real here. Praise God. You know, I'm going to say something that's going to make some people mad. But some of the closest times I've been with the Lord, Barney, have been when I missed it. Oh, come on now. That should set you free right there. Did you know that when Cain killed Abel, God was still talking to him? It's when I feel sufficient in my own sufficiency that there's a barrier. It's when I think I can do it in my own strength that there's a barrier. But when I'm failing, when I'm flailing, when I'm gasping for air, praise God, the grace of God. Praise God. My greatest failures have been my greatest triumphs because of his grace. I've realized, man, I'm broken. I need you, Lord. God, I can't do anything without you. That's where you need to be. Hallelujah. I'm running out of time. Praise God. Let's look at verse 5 and verse number 6 here of Romans chapter 7. Hallelujah. God is good. It says, for while we were living in the flesh... So that tells me that we no longer are living in the flesh. He's talking about your past. If you're born again, you don't need to be walking in the flesh. It says, while we were living in the flesh, our sinful passions aroused by what? See, we need to understand that law was given to show our insufficiency and our need. Law was to diagnose uh, a hidden disease that was on the inside of us that we didn't know we had. See, where there is no law, you can't break it. You drive down the road, you're going 85, and there's absolutely no speed limit sign. There's no law. So your conscience can't be pricked. You can't be put into condemnation. You can't feel guilty. Oh, I hope you're, (laughs) I hope you're understanding this. You can't feel guilty. You can't feel shame because you, you know, there's no, but once that 55 or 65 shows up, then there is an indicator that what I'm doing is not right. (laughs) You see, that's what the law came to do. Mankind just lived the way they wanted to live, lived in their own way and in their own will. 
And then God brings a law in to say, hey, this is not right functioning. I'm going to show you about me. Oh, because that's really what the law. I'm going to show you about me to show you the disparity. Because they had created gods in their own image. So I'm going to show you a disparity between my holiness and who I am and who you are. And by showing you that, I'm going to show you what's necessary to bridge that gap. And it's an old, wooden, bloody cross. Karen was talking to me yesterday. And she brought up the scripture where Jesus talking to the Pharisees, he says, he says, you search the scriptures. They were searching the scriptures. He says, because in them, you think you have life. He says, but they talk about me. See, we're, a lot of people are missing it because they're too busy not realizing that when they're operating and getting into the word, they're in fellowship with a person. See, if Bible reading is just words on a page for you, you're never going to get much out of it. But when you realize that you're sitting down with the actual person of the Lord Jesus Christ, and he is talking to you through his word. People say, well, I don't get, I don't want a word from God. Well, there's 66 books. And there's a movement among our churches that are wanting personal words every service. And many of them have never cracked this book. But they'll come and they'll receive from someone that says, thus saith the Lord. That is never the way you are supposed to be guided, ever. The prophetic word of God in the New Testament is more for confirmation than it is for information. Hello. I mean, I've been to some places. No one has a Bible. No one. Not even on their phone. But they come so that they might get called out or called up. And they're looking for guidance. Listen, the Holy Spirit never speaks outside the boundaries of this book. This is the basis by which we receive our information. And anything that is given to me prophetically must be judged by this. Most people are frustrated. I'm just going to close with this because we didn't get through, all right? Most people are frustrated at their personal, intimate level with the Lord. They're frustrated. They're wondering why I'm not going deeper in our relationship. Well, I can tell you why you're not going deeper. It's because you don't know what this says. And God will only speak to you on the basis of what this says. It's kind of like I use uh, Clayton as uh, Clayton is an engineer. Now, Clayton has went to college. He has studied all of the books of the industry that he's in. He has 
disciplined himself to be able to speak at that level. And when he gets with another engineer, they can communicate at a level that the average bystander cannot communicate in. It's just like with any craft or any vocation that you have, you learn things that no one else learns. You learn certain ways and words that are different than very different. Well, I'm here to tell you, my friends, you get into the word of God and you start getting and absorbing that and becoming one with the word of God. I guarantee you, my friends, your relationship will go through the roof because you'll begin to start talking about things that the world doesn't have any idea. You know you're growing in God. When? You've had a conversation with God and it makes absolutely no sense to anybody you've tried to tell. Hello. And you had to bend there. You ever had them, you had to bend there moments? You had to bend there. You try to tell a story that happened to you with someone else and it just comes off flat as a flitter. And it's because it's not meant to be told. They don't have the dialect. They don't have the context. They don't have the relation. Come on now. I'm telling you, when you get into this word and you realize what this word says, and you're able to communicate with God on the basis of that word, I'm here to tell you he will show you things to come. He will unveil the things of Christ to you. You'll operate at a higher level of revelation knowledge that will create freedom in your life. Because you have been rescued from this present evil age. You've been delivered. The secrets of God are yours. The presence of God is yours. You're not like anyone else. And in fact, he changes and transforms you. This is, someone needs to hear this right now. Someone needs to hear this. When Peter preached on Pentecost, he said something very interesting. He said, save yourselves from this wicked generation. Boy, that's pretty bold words. Save yourself from this wicked generation. What was he saying? Save yourself from the genes... That don't work right. Save yourself from the classification of humanity that has fallen. Save yourself from your family tree and get on this family tree. Well, my family has diabetes in it. No, not according to this tree. Because that's what he said. He said, save yourself from generational maladies, curses. 
Some of you don't believe that, but it's the truth. It's the absolute truth. Jesus came to take you out of what you were growing in and place you into this. And when he placed you into him as he is, so are you. Christ's resurrected body, Kirby, is the source of our physical strength because he lives in the fullness of our redemption. That redemption is funneled to us by the spirit in our spirit. We can have life, health, and strength because of the resurrected life of Jesus Christ. Now put that in your pipe and smoke it. But you've got to be cross-eyed to see this stuff. You've got to be cross-eyed. And I'm telling you, to be cross-eyed means that you look stupid to other people. If you're trying to be cool and hip and be cross-eyed at the same time, it ain't going to work. ain't going to work. It ain't going to work. To be cross-eyed means that I don't see life like the normal person sees life as a fallen person. I don't see it. Where they see barriers and walls, I see opportunities and breakthroughs. When affliction comes to my life, I don't see it as the end-all, be-all. I know that I have hope. I know I have something to hold on to. When, when the bad report comes, I don't have to cave in. Amen? I'm the Lord's. He can do with what he wants to with me. And if he's ready for me to check out, then I'm ready to check out. But if he still wants me to run the race, I'm going to run the race. And there ain't nothing hell can ever do about it. Nothing hell could ever do about it. There's nothing the devil can do about it. He's been stripped and defeated. See, the reason why your family tree is so nutty is because it's birthed in Adam. The first Adam. Corruption, sin, depravity, rebellion. Jesus is called the last Adam. And he is the firstborn among many brethren. I said he's the firstborn among many brethren. How many brethren do I have? How many sisters do I have that have been born of God? Born of the incorruptible word of God. The word has been made flesh on the inside of you. Praise God. So we're free. I said, we're free. I said, we're free. We're free because of the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, the cross, the cross, the cross. He said, I have determined to know nothing among you except for Jesus Christ. Now he could put the period right there and most people would say, amen, amen. But that's not what he said. Because there's a lot of people that talk about Jesus, but they're enemies of the cross. They'll take Jesus as a teacher. They'll take Jesus as a philosopher. They'll take Jesus as even Messiah. But yet, they're enemies of the cross. The cross is the place in which civilization changed. It is the dividing between the sons of the devil... And the sons of God, the cross. 
So here's what I'm going to tell you, closing for my fifth time. <laughs> there is a difference between a child of God and a child of the devil. Thank you, Jesus. There is a difference between a child and son of disobedience and a son of the Most High God. And if you are a son and daughter of the Most High, God's presence and ability, his substance, the full sum, totality of who he is, dwells on the inside of you. That means that everything has been changed. And that if things are not changed in your body, you have the source on the inside to bring that change. Because the life of God, praise God, the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead dwells on the inside of you. And that same spirit will quicken your mortal body. That means that hereditary diseases and dysfunctions, that life will come and cause resurrection, resuscitation, renewal, refreshing, revitalization to anything. Well, we've got kidney disease in our family. Not anymore. We've got heart disease in our family. No, not anymore. Come on now. You got, I'm telling you, be cross-eyed means you, I should be dead. I should be in heaven today. Not just one time, three times. Three times. What sustained me? Well, it was my diet. What sustained me? It's my workout schedule. These people holding on to this stuff. That's the reason why people are running down the road. They're not running down the road because they're running around the road for two things. They love the, I, I, I guess it's the, some chemical, a dopamine or something. They love that dopamine or something that pumps through there after they run. They're addicted to a substance. Or secondly, they're afraid of dying. Hello. I'm here to tell you, Jesus has come to deliver us from the fear of death. I tell you what, if you guys got a hold, if you guys are getting a hold of this, you're not, not telling me anything. My goodness gracious. Let's stand to our feet and give him praise because he's delivered us from this present evil age. He's delivered you from this present evil age. He's delivered you from this present evil age. You know, after the word of God is preached, the power and access is available to that word right now. It's living and active among you. It's in your heart and in your mouth. I said it's in your heart and it's in your mouth. Praise God. So just begin to declare that. Amen. Begin to declare I'm redeemed from the curse of the law. I'm redeemed. Hallelujah. Jesus has delivered me from this present evil age. I'm not stuck. Hallelujah. Praise God. 
That power is available right now. And right now the counselors are going to come up here right now and line up. And they're going to line up right here. And if you need anything, if you need anything, if you want to activate this word in your life right now, I tell you, come down here and have these people pray with you. And, and uh, I believe if you need to be born again, if you need the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you need breakthrough in your life, praise God, the power of the Lord is present to meet every need that you would have through these ministers. Amen? Praise the Lord. I look forward to seeing you on Wednesday. We're doing Hear and Be Healed. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. We just believe that there's going to be an increase of healing and restoration in people's lives. Amen? Do you believe that? Glory to God. Be sure and come up here. You're dismissed in Jesus' name.